Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Eric Forrest on the line, and the last time Eric and I talked, we were giving each other a hard time about the big game, and uh, we all know what happened there, and the Sun Devils uh, came out on top, but Eric had a uh, December tag, archery tag, I believe, in his pocket, burning a hole in his pocket, I think, and um, you shot a giant buck. Yep. Yeah, I got uh, I got real lucky. So let's back up, I guess, and kind of start from the beginning. I assume you had a archery tag that you would have purchased in August and probably tried to hunt a little bit in August, uh, and, and then you didn't fill... And so then that allowed you to hunt in December. So kind of walk through how it all unfolded as far as, you know, your game plan. Did you think you were going to have a ton of time to hunt or was this, you know, what was going on? So I got my, I usually get my tag um, around Christmas time for the next year. So I hunted January and I actually was out with um, Justin Birch and and we got on a real nice buck that I had been trying to kill and, I got four shots on him in January and, and uh, just couldn't connect on him. Um, there are longer shots um, and uh, just couldn't make it happen. But So I, I tried to find that buck again in, in August and ended up finding that um, big group of bucks that I've talked about on this podcast before and um, wasn't able to make it happen on them. So I, I, uh, I went out in December with, like you said, the tag burning the hole in my pocket and I, I wanted to I wanted to kill something, but I, uh, I knew that even though I only got, um, that last season to hunt that, um, you can still kill a big buck. My dad taught me that when I was younger, never count yourself out in December. Cause you can always pull out a big buck. Um, doesn't matter which season it is, whether it's January or December. So, um, so I, I kind of held out for a bigger buck. I didn't want to shoot a, a young buck. Um, I don't think I would have been happy with that. And, and we had tons of meat in the freezer, so I decided to hold out and uh, took the week off of work, so I had plenty of time to hunt. So so roughly, Eric, what, sorry to interrupt, but what days are we talking here that you kind of put a strategy together that, okay, I'm going to focus on these days? What, when was that? So... Um, Opening day, I had work, and they wouldn't let me take it off. I tried to bribe my boss with elk jerky, and still didn't work. So I said, you know what, I'll take the, I'm just going to take the whole next week off and, and just focus on deer and not have any, any other distractions going on. And I looked at the weather and saw that I knew that weekend it was going to be rainy, um, unfortunately. Um, so I tried, I, I tried to go off spot and stocking, um, with it being rainy, um, but it it was so bad that you know the glassing wasn't wasn't much of an option because it was just nonstop rain. So I decided I'm going to just stick with my my original plan of sitting water because I wanted to sit water that whole week when it was when it was um, real hot and and leading up to that weekend it had been really really dry, and I, I knew the deer would be hitting water a lot because of how dry it was, and I knew the water tanks that did have water would have would have good activity on them because most of the tanks dried up because it was so dang dry uh, leading up to that week in the rain. But I heard you say, I think I heard you say, as you were planning to sit water, but then you saw the forecast for the weekend and it showed that it did rain, but you still sat water. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I tried to go spot and stock, but um, where I was hunting, it was so uh, windy and the rain, the rain was nonstop that I, I couldn't glass because the water was getting on my glass. So I decided that's not that's not working right now. Um, and I, I've shot a buck off, off of water before when it was raining. Um, I've had deer come in into water holes when it's raining before. Okay, um, and this is what I want to tap into. So yeah, most people would think it's raining, so I'm not going to sit water because they're not going to come into water. But what you're saying is you've seen situations where you've seen deer come in and it's raining. Do you think it's more of a habitual pattern and that they're just used to going and getting a good drink of water rather than just, you know, trying to sip around on, you know, or was it a fact that the rain didn't, it didn't rain enough that it actually pooled up water? I'm curious about the, the logistics of that. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you in that. It's, I, I think it's a habitual thing. Um, I mean, I've, I've had experience with, with deer coming into water when it's raining, so I know that even though it seems counterintuitive, um, that sitting water in the rains, you can, you can still you can still have a buck come in. The, the deer still have trails that go around to water tanks, and they kind of like to congregate around water, even re regardless if it's raining or not. Um, and and I, I know this over the years of just seeing it and then having cameras on water, seeing deer come to water even with it raining. Um, eventually it did start puddling up in the area I was hunting. It was like walking in a marsh because it got so the ground got so saturated because it was just non-stop raining um but but even then the deer the does would still come in so i decided it was it, w it would be worth it to sit you never know when a buck's going to come in did you think that okay the does are still going to come in and it's you know getting closer and closer and it, we're in december that you know maybe a buck's going to come check for does or was it more of just I think this is a good spot to sit. You know, I'm getting wet, one, stalking around, and two, my binos are getting wet, and it's better just to sit and wait. I mean, it, or was it, no, I know that does are still going to come, and hopefully a buck comes to come check for those does. Yeah, my thought process there was I didn't, in this area, because you can't really glass it, um, I didn't know if, if the, the whitetail bucks were, were already pushing in there or not. Um, I thought maybe if the, if those bucks were pushing, then um, I might get a buck that had been you know pushing all night and morning, and he might be tired and he might come in for a drink. I thought that okay. that would be a that would be a possibility, but um, in that area when I was, it didn't seem like there were um, no bucks ever followed does into the water. I, the spikes were kind of pushing the does around a little bit, but um, that was about as much uh, type of ruddy activity I saw. Okay, so you go and you go you you go and sit. You're seeing some deer activity. Did it happen on the first day, or kind of walk me through the progression? Did you have a bunch of trail? Like, did you know this buck was here? Did you have other buck? Like, I, I'm just curious. One, how you picked this spot? Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not trying to give your spot away. I'm trying to figure out yeah. why did you pick this spot? What was it about this spot that said this is where I'm going to sit? So I hadn't, I didn't get it because of school and work. I didn't, I never got a chance to go through a camera on the spot. But back in November when I was scouting for my uh, buddy Tristan's hunt, I was checking out a new area kind of up high 
and so I, I hiked in there to try to glass up there, and I didn't see much up high, so I ended up looking back down low, and there's this tank um, I know about down there, and and it's kind of in the low mesquites. It's, it's stuff you can't really rifle hunt, and I think a lot of people drive right past it to go, you know, hunt the rolling oaks and such. Um, so I, I, I went up high, and I glassed back down low, and I watched deer, despite me not seeing any deer up high, um, it seemed like there was no deer moving at all. I looked down at that tank, and there was deer all over that tank going to and from. So I decided that that'll be the, the spot that I should focus my attention on if there's that many deer coming in by odds. And, and being that it's that low mesquite stuff that's hard to rifle hunt, um, I figured th there's got to be a, a mature buck in there somewhere, and he's, it's, it's the only water right there. He's got he's to come in at one point. So that's why I decided to choose that tank. Okay, so you're you're picking a tank that's kind of not an abnormal spot, but kind of a thick, brushy place that you know probably a buck's made it through the rifle season. It's not great glassing. It's too thick. There's not really any vantage. So you're thinking, if I'm going to sit, deer going to be habitual on water. This is going to be a good good place to sit. So. You go and you sit and you've got spikes and some does and stuff. How long until it actually happened? I mean, did it happen on that first day or what was, how did it go down? Uh, it definitely didn't happen on the first day. I, I, um, I'm trying to remember now. I started sitting Saturday evening um, and I sat through the weekend. I think I killed the buck on, on Wednesday, I think. I kind of lost track of days there. Um, but so I, you I remember I was, for several days, nonstop, yeah, se sun up to sundown. Yep, several days. Um, there was a couple days there in the rain um, where I had the my blind wasn't shutting out all the water. So I think maybe I think Sunday I ended up um, leaving around I think two o'clock. I ended up leaving around like two o'clock and going out and trying to spot and stock that evening because um, it was really really slow on the water hole. Because that was the that was when it just it just um, just kept raining and raining and raining. Um, so I decided to go try my hand at spot and stock again and and didn't have any luck and didn't have any luck there. So I I came back and the next day and and um, Monday through till I shot that deer I would come in in the dark. And I'd leave in the dark. I would, I would sit in the blind until I couldn't see my pins anymore. Um, until you just, you know, you just couldn't uh, make a make a good shot or make anything out. I'd I'd sit as long as I could. Okay, so at this point, you still have no idea that particular buck is there. Is that correct? Yep. Um, I didn't. Like I said, I didn't scout out the area, but I had hunted the area before, and I'd gotten on um, some really, really good bucks, uh, like some 115-type bucks. Um, so I, I knew they were there. Um, like I said, I had experience in the area. I knew there was mature bucks that were in that type of country, so I knew, I knew it was a matter of time before something like that would end up coming in. Um, fortunately for me... Uh, that was the first mainframe buck that came in. It was all spikes and does um, all day, every day, and, until he, he, he ended up um, coming in. 
Okay, so you're sitting there in the blind. You'd been in there, you know, a handful of days, four, you know, four or five days. And what time is it? And when do you first see the buck? When does he first show up? What time? Okay, so I had a lot of people asking me times, and a lot of guys were packing their stuff up, um, like around uh, 10 o'clock and leaving because nothing would come in. The widest range of times I've seen deer come in, um, when I was there, I kept track of it. It was like 9.33 to 3.30. That was the widest range of times, and the narrowest range of times was 10.40 to, I think, 2.20. So he ended okay, up coming well, in. What was that? Just real fast, just real fast. What I hear you saying, though, is majority of the time, it was basically from 10 to 3. It was not from sunup to 10. It was not from you know, three to dark, what you're saying is basically from about 9.30 or 10 to about 3, that middle of the day window was the most activity when you're sitting water. Yep. There was, I never had a deer come in, a single deer come in before that time, and I never had one come in after that time. But I still sat, you know, sun up to sun down because you, you never know when, when a buck is just going to come trolling into water but right. when i was sitting when i was sitting there that was that that standard uh I, I know a lot of people harp on it it's the 10 to 2 that's the best times to sit and it's it's true um a lot of guys pack up their stuff at 10 because they're not seeing anything and that's right when the deer start rolling in okay eric before you go any further i just want to make a point here so not only are you sitting water and you're saying that not only this time period of sitting for the buck that you found kind of that 10 to 2, 10 to 3 time frame, would you also say from trail cameras and other experiences that you had that 10 to 2, 10 to 3 is like, do you think it was just an isolated case with this particular set for the week, or do you think that 10 to 3 is like prime time? I... For, I mean, um, trail cameras, like trail cameras on salt and stuff, you can get some deer coming in around, you know, earlier, at earlier times. But our, this time of the year, when I've sat water before, it's it doesn't, you know, not just this tank, it's every tank that I've sat, it's, it's always the same. It's that 10 to 2. I've okay. seen deer come in earlier in August to water, but that's not the only exception. January and and December and all the other months, they, they always come in around 10 to 2. Okay, and so what I want to make a point, and, and I want to get your opinion on it, is not only for people that are sitting water is this important. For me, as I know you like the glass as well, but for me being, you know, rifle hunter, you know, cooster hunting in Mexico, December tags, anybody listening that's you know, has a December tag right now, a huge thing that I think that needs to be pointed out is that this is something that you witnessed in this week, but all your prior years have experienced the same thing. So if you're glassing between 10 and 2 or 10 and 3, and you are glassing anywhere where you have a water in your view, wouldn't it be safe to say that you will pick those deer up going to and from that water source? Yep. Yep, and it's... I always try to tell guys, they, a lot of guys, I, you know, when you're out looking for deer, you see hunters out there and they're packing up 
their stuff, you know, right before 10 and heading back out because they didn't have, didn't see much in the morning. Um, and that's the, I think that's the best time you want to have eyes in the glass. Okay. Would you go even further and say, say you're glassing from sun up till say 9.30 or 10 or what have you and, you know, you're, you've seen whatever you've seen. Would you almost, with, with the knowledge that you have, what you, you know, discovered on this week when you shot this big buck, but also prior knowledge, you could almost then go to a different glassing point where you might be able to see one or two different water sources and you basically just glass from sunup to 9.30. You switched positions where then you could see multiple or just one water source and now you're almost hitting now the best time to be there. So in, in other words, you could potentially have nonstop action if you look in yep. the right spot. Yeah, that's the, that's the, exactly, that's the thing I learned on, on this one when I went um, in November, and I wasn't seeing anything higher up, um, and I had a really good view at, on, on these hillsides higher up, and there was no deer moving, and when I glassed down lower towards that water, there, it seemed like there was deer everywhere, so I, I really learned that um, this time, and that's, that's a strategy I'm going to employ in the future now that I know that. That's huge. I, I'm glad you... I'm glad you make that clear for us. Okay, so you're sitting. Uh, it's the day the buck comes in, and what comes in before the buck? What's your mindset, your mood? Like, what's going on? And then, and then walk us into here he comes, and what, what, you know, go through the whole thing. So right at the right about um, just before twelve o'clock um, was when he ended up coming in, and I had I had deer coming in. Um, all throughout, you know, every hour since nine. Um, and every time, every time a deer would come in, I'd get excited. And, and the two deer that came in before him were does and they're acting, they're acting kind of funny. One came in with her, you know, kind of her butt down and she was kind of skidding around like a buck was on her. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe there is a buck on her. He's going to come up here. Um, and a buck never showed up following her. Um, but about, Five minutes later, I had a fawn come in on my right side, and the way that I had the blind set up, every deer that came in on my right side um, was just nailing me in the blind. And so this little buck fawn came up and nailed me, and I thought, oh, man, I really need to brush this blind in a little bit better on the right. Um, and I was thinking, man, I just have a feeling of, of, if there's a buck that's going to come in, he's going to come in right when this fawn's staring at me. And this fawn had me pinned, and uh, in my peripherals over the dike, I see this blob just coming over, and I'm like, oh, man, I just, I just have a feeling that's a buck. And so I uh, scan my eyes over, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, that's a really good buck. Um, I'm kind of screwed here because this fawn is it's 15 yards from me, and it's pinned on me. So I think, and the buck was on the, the, um, to the left in the opposite direction at 43 yards. And so I thought. And is he, is no, he paying any attention to the doe, or is he just coming straight for the water? Uh, it was just that fawn, that little buck fawn, um, oh, the fawn to yeah. my right. Yep, there was no does. The buck was just the buck was just coming straight to the water. He didn't. He he. As soon as he went over that dike, he was on a mission. When he didn't stop to look, he was just going straight to the water. Um, and so I, I knew I, I there was no way I was going to be able to draw with that fawn just pinned on me. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I hooked my release and I waited for that fawn to look over at the buck. And about the time the buck um, started to water, uh, the, the fawn looked over, I drew, and the fawn looked back at me and was on me. And I was, I had gotten buck fever. This is the first time I've ever gotten buck fever before, before the shot. I love it. And, I love it. Because <laughs> just so many hours in the blind sitting there, you know, waiting and waiting. I just got too excited and uh, I knew I, I had to capitalize on, on this buck. Um, and so I was shaking and I had the pin on him and I just kept shaking and shaking and, and I was going to let down and, and resettle, but that, that fawn was nailed. He was just, he was on me. So I knew I couldn't let the bow down. I had to, I had to tighten my, um, my shakes up a little bit and get the pin steady on him. Was the buck was, drinking at this point or head down or what's the buck doing? Yep, buck was head down just drinking. Not a not okay, a can so all. He was, you're rattled was just like we all would be. You're shaking just like we all would be and you're like, dude, you've got to calm down but your pin's flying all over the place and you're thinking there's no way I can shoot this thing or what, you know, like at what point did you finally just be like, okay, I got to, I got to make this happen. Um, when it got past 30 seconds, <laughs> I decided <laughs> that um, there's, my muscles are going to give out soon. Um, and I, I don't like being drawn back that, that long just cause I, you know, I don't want to make a bad shot, but I, I had to make it in that, uh, in that instance. So, well, when I was, when I was really, my muscles were really filling and I'm like, hey, you need to get, if you want to capitalize on this buck and get a shot, you need to, you need to get it under control right now. And as soon as I said that in my head, I got myself to calm down, um, and steady the pin. And I, every deer that came in on that side, I noticed, um, didn't meander. I don't know if it was cause the water was so tight to the dike. They, as soon as they got a drink, they turned around and walked straight back. They didn't like hang out. So I knew, I knew I had to take the shot that I had of that buck, um, getting water where he was. And fortunately it was, it was a, it was a good shot. And he, um, he expired pretty quick. Um, I actually got to watch him go down. He, after I shot, he, he, um, ran off the, off the water, jumped the fence and I heard him crash. And then he ended up coming back over almost to where he was shot. And then he ended up just tackling a tree and, and, and I got some of it on video on the hunt AZ story of, of him, uh, going down. So it was pretty cool. That is awesome. That is really, really cool. So back up a couple things here. So you'd kind of witnessed what the deer were doing. In other words, even does, fawns, little bucks, whatever, you had watched when they came in certain parts of the tank and you observed their behavior as far as it wasn't where they kind of milled around and maybe fed on a mesquite bush or something. They just like came in, drank, turned around and left. So you knew at, the, at that point that, you know, that exact spot where the buck was, once he stopped drinking, you probably did not have much of a window before he was gone and out of your life forever. Yep, exactly. And when, when you finally got yourself to buckle down, which we've all been there and, you know, shaking like a dog peeing razor blades, I mean, it's, there's no other way to describe it. You're just shaking. Is there any bit of advice you could give that helped yourself 
other than just buckling down and making it happen? Was there any, did you take a deep breath? Did you do anything that you can recall that like calmed, like specifically helped you make the shot? Um, I don't, I don't know. It was just one of those things that I didn't really have. I mean, I kind of had a problem with it before, um, when I get uh, really excited, but never really addressed it. And, uh, I was on a, uh, bear hunting this year and I ended up, uh, hitting a, a bear bed cause I, I, um, I didn't account for how f it was a smaller bear and it had a lot fluffier coat. Um, so I put the pin in the wrong spot and I, I hit its backbone. Um, and then I ended up getting on another bear the next day, and and I uh, when I drew back, I just I was I was all over the place, and I didn't I didn't take the time to settle down, and um, and get the pin steady, and I ended up just flat out missing at 20 yards. And I thought, man, that's that's ridiculous. You missed a bear at 20 at 20 yards. You should be you know hitting uh, the nail on the head at 20. Um, and so the next day, I ended up getting up, or actually that day. Um, later on in the morning, I ended up getting on another bear at 20, and and I drew back, and I was I noticed how shaky I was still, and I knew I need it was that at that moment it clicked in my head. You need to steady your shot and and squeeze it off. And since then, um, every time I draw back, I, I I say it in my head like steady the pin. So I think it's just a mental thing that you just gotta you gotta um, keep in mind. I think it it comes with experience too. Um, it's easy when you, when you're not as experienced to get really excited and, and not think about other things like, um, like aiming and stuff. You kind of just get too excited and everything just goes naturally. Well, don't you think to your credit though, too, Eric, I mean, like anybody that's listening, if you can't relate with what Eric's saying, like, I, I mean, I, I'm, I want to shake your hand because I mean, I know I go through it. I still go through it. And it's one of those things that it's very, very difficult to overcome. And I can't tell you how many times, like, you just draw back and you shoot, and you're like, I don't even remember looking through my peep side. Yeah. Like, I wasn't even anchored. Like, what the heck? And, I mean, I think, like you said, it comes with experience. But, you know, I think you can also go through bouts where, you're, you know, you shoot handful of animals, everything's just fine, and then all of a sudden you fall apart and you're a wreck. I mean, but... The reality is you love it so much, you probably want it even more. And so you put in so much time and, you know, if I always try and dig in and get that magic answer, to, you know, because it's something that I certainly deal with on a constant basis. Um, I mean, I can't, this is the honest truth, I cannot tell you how many turkeys I've called up, did, done my whole job right, called them right up, had them come right in, and they're strutting right in front of me, and I shoot a shotgun at 25 yards, and the turkey just stands there. <laughs> you know, so you wonder how yeah. in the world can that happen, but until you're, I mean, it just happens. So, yeah. I, you know, there's nothing that you could tell me that I wouldn't be like, yep, I've been there, you know, just shaking and you're just trying to control yourself. What I always try and do is, you know, is there anything that you did? And it sounds like you just finally said, listen, bud, this is now or never and this is, this is going to happen. And, you know, maybe the, the truth of the whole situation is you just happen to have the pin in the right spot at the right time and, you, you know, um, and that may be the case. The buck's dead regardless. 
Um, yep. But I know exactly what, and everybody listening knows exactly what you're going through. So you release the arrow and you instantly know it's a good hit from his reaction, from what? what how did you know that it was a good hit? Um, at that point when I released, I, I knew I had the pin about as steady as I could get it. Um, uh, the shot still ended up being a, a little bit far back, but without a camera there, you, you, you can never tell if, you know, he had, if he ended up ducking or, um, or what he ended up doing. You, you, never, you never know what happens as soon as the shot goes off because when the shot goes off, I'm not peeking out of my bow to, to see where the arrow's hitting. I'm, I'm following through with my shot. Um, so yeah, I did hit, it ended up hitting a little bit far back, but that I was using that three inch swacker and it just, it did a number on him. So he, on the he way in and on the way out, was it a hole both ways? Um, what was that? Sorry. What was the hole that? that you made with the schlacker, was it a giant hole in and a giant hole out or was it a giant hole in and it stayed in them or what, what did the broadhead do? So it was about an inch on entrance, and then it opened up to about three inches. It was it was fairly uh, head on. Um, it went in just um, just past his shoulder blades, and then went lengthwise all the way into his hip. So I ended up cutting through his backbone and then cutting his hip bone. So I pretty much just sh shish kebab and flayed him open. Gotcha. And was he take, was he quarter, was he broadside? He must have been quartering kind of to you when you shot kind of head on. Yep. Yeah. He was uh, kind of uh, head and neck down, um, just head on. And a lot of people will, a lot of people don't like those head on shots um, and say that they're bad shots to take. But every every animal I've shot head on has died a lot quicker than. Um, any animal I've hit broadside, it's 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 not as clean of a shot um, because you, you're kind of going through the guts too. You're hitting lungs, everything. You're just hitting everything in the body. Um, but I knew where he was coming in. I was afraid because every single deer that had come in had gotten a drink and then turned on a dime straight back around and and gone out. So I knew I knew if I didn't take the shot right there, I, I probably wasn't going to get another shot and um, at okay, that so that out. makes sense to me where if, if he was broadside where he's drinking and he went to turn, you could always shoot him on the other side, but it makes total sense now if he's pretty much facing yeah. you and he's just going to wheel and turn, you know, the only shot then is, is straight up the butt and um, you're probably not going to yep. do that at 43 yards. No, um, no. And, okay, so the buck crashes, knocks over a tree, and I mean, so from top, Time of impact to time, I mean, like 30, 40 seconds. Like, I mean, he jumped over the fence, came back, and crashed into a tree, and done. Um, he crashed about, about like, yeah, like uh, around, like, maybe around 10 seconds. That's highballing it. He shot him. I shot him. I saw the arrow. I saw both ends of the arrow um, sticking out of him. I saw the angle of it, and I knew... I had at least one lung, and I had everything else. So I knew he was, I knew he was uh, in trouble. Pretty much, yeah, he was in trouble. If if he wasn't going to die right there, I knew um, 
give him some time, I, I'd be able to get on him and, and um, put him away again. I knew he was definitely in trouble. And so he ran over there about, I think about probably five or ten minutes went by, and then he, he ended up coming back over the dike and then, then crashed in that tree and died right there. Um, so I think what he did, I think he jumped, he ran off the water, jumped the fence, crashed into a tree and was laying there and decided he wasn't feeling good and decided to get back up and go back to the water, try to go back to the water, maybe to drink or maybe to go back out the way he came. I'm not sure what was exactly going through his mind, but when he came when he came back over, he was moving slow until he about tackled that tree. So he was he was pretty much dead walking at that point. When he came back over, was there an opportunity where you're like, man, I got to shoot him again, or was it too it was too far away, or or was there not enough time? I I was prepared to shoot him again. I had an arrow knocked, and I was he was when he came back over. When I as soon as I could see him, he kind of passed through. Um, I'd, I'd call it a small window where I could see most of his body, but he was kind of covered with uh, mesquite limbs. And then he went behind a tree. Um, there's a tree in between him and I, and he was still on the other side of the barbed wire fence. And I was waiting. I was like, if he's going to clear that fence and come back over, I'm going to put another arrow in him. And uh, that's where he ended up, where he ended up tackling that tree right, um, right there. So I could. I could barely even see him with my with with the naked eye, and I tried with the rangefinder, and he was even worse. So, I, thankfully, I brought my 15s in my pack um, and my tripod and the blind, and I set it up in there. And I was just looking through the the brush, trying to to see what was going on in there, see if he was still alive and where the arrow was, how bad a shape he was, if he was dying. And that's how I was able to see that he was dying, and I just I just let him die right there. At, was it at that point that you could see his rack and you're like, holy smokes, this is a big one? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking through the brush. You know how hard it is to see. Um, you you're know, getting bits and through. pieces. Yeah, and I'm like, either he's so close with the 15 that his rack looks big or, or he's actually big. And I'm like, I, at that point, I, I knew when he walked in, I just caught a glimpse of his frame, and I'm like, that's a definite shooter. Um, and I never really got a good look at him. So when I was looking at him through the uh, through the glass, I could see that one real long G3 and that long G2, and I'm like, wow, that looks like a really good buck. But I, even then, I still didn't I still didn't know how big he was until I ended up walking up on him, and then and then I saw that he was a four by, and that was an added surprise because I I didn't even catch that he was a four by when he walked in. All all I was focused on was getting the bow back and not having that fawn spook, and and then executing the shot. Yeah, I mean, he's a dandy buck. I mean, a 4x4, four four, his, his, his right side G4 is a little longer than his left side, but it looks like he's got great main beams. I mean, I, I haven't talked to you about what he scores. I, you know, just eyeballing, I'm looking like he's, you know, 115 plus. Um, did you ever score him? No, I, I never put a tape on him. I, we're thinking, um, I had my dad look at him and a couple other buddies um, in person. And we're thinking he's, you know, 115 to um, yeah, to 120, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Definitely, wouldn't I don't think surprise he's me. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all if he's upper teens, maybe even 20. Just an awesome. I mean, anytime. I don't know if you, if you're like me. Anytime you can get a four by four buck, 
Um, yeah. Especially with mature beams. I mean, this looks like a mature deer. Um, he's just a beauty. I mean, with the bow, I mean, what a trophy. Just an unbelievable buck. I uh, encourage the listeners to check out Eric's Instagram. It's E-R-I-C underscore forest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. Check out uh, his Instagram. But um, is that the biggest buck that you have shot with your bow? Yeah, so the the buck, the biggest buck uh, before him was last January, and that was, I think he was just under 106, and it was a, he was a, that buck was a real wide one, um, real cool looking buck, and I ended up taking as soon as I got this uh, buck all skinned out and the skull boiled, I ended up putting him next to you know uh, next to that last buck, you know, head to head, and looking at him, and this buck. Not only was his skull bigger and his teeth were a lot uh, flatter, I didn't. I thought that buck I had shot uh, last January was, was an old buck, but he looks young compared to this um, this most recent buck. But that buck I just shot dwarfed that 106. I couldn't believe it. I always thought that buck was <laughs> was big, and then I had him next to that guy, and he just completely dwarfed him. So um, yeah, it's yeah, my biggest beauty, buck. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was, I've always wanted a four by four uh coos deer that was just one thing on my bucket list i was just i've always dreamed about them so you know awesome. when you look i haven't seen the antlers in person obviously but i'm looking at it on the pictures here and you know the veins within the antler you can see there's a lot of you can just see the veins almost and that's almost yeah. always big older deer you see those veins within the within the antler and um uh, he's an unbelievable buck hardhorn. Can you even imagine seeing this buck in the velvet? He would look yeah. like an absolute just mo- any. I mean, four by fours just look big in general, but uh, yeah, you know, point length is everything, and main beam is everything when you come to you know for scoring deer. But you know, a deer like this, like it doesn't even matter what it scores, just an awesome buck, whether it's a rifle or bow. And then you take into the account that you shot it with a bow; it's just phenomenal. So. In other words, though, here we are, it's December, you filled your 2017 tag, and in essence, though, you can start hunting here in a few days. January 1st starts a whole new season. Yep, yep, I got my tag, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to get back out there. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and we've talked about it before. Like, Arizona has unbelievable opportunity for over-the-counter deer where you can start hunting January uh, first through the 31st, then you can use that same tag if you don't fill in August, and then you can use that same tag in December, just like you did, and, you know, you, you know, you can hunt right now and catch, you know, maybe pre-rut and hunt all of January and hunt prime peak of the rut, hunt uh, August and, you know, catch them in, in velvet, and then back again, just like you did in December. I mean, the opportunity is phenomenal in Arizona, and that's for non-resident and resident. Um, so, you know, uh, the opportunity to get to hunt any animal within the rut is, is an amazing deal. Um, I know you just finished this morning. You also picked up an over-the-counter javelina tag, I believe, and went out. I think you hunted yesterday, and you hunted this morning, yep. and you got a pig. Tell Tell me a little bit about, uh, I was following your stories there on, you know, following, and you were into all kinds of pig sign and track and what have you, but 
am I correct in that it was also an over-the-counter pig tag? Yep, um, for over? residents. Okay. Yeah, it's an over-the-counter. You just pick them up at Walmart or wherever they uh, game official has it to where they issue tags on. You can buy it over-the-counter. So for residents, it's just twenty-five dollars. Um, it's it's a pre it's a pretty good deal because on that tag you can hunt uh, January and you can hunt December on that uh, 38M Metro tag. Um, but I think it's just a it's. As an over-the-counter, it's all metro units, so I think you can hunt up in some of the units around Phoenix as well. But for here, being in Tucson, uh, the unit that I can hunt is 38M. Uh, so picked it up, 25 bucks, and then there's plenty of spots around Tucson to hunt pigs. There's pigs everywhere in the unit. Um, as long as you're a quarter mile off of a golf course or, or homes in the unit, you can hunt. Uh, with a bow, so there's plenty of opportunity around the unit to get on a pig and shoot one. So, you know, you got rattled shooting the big buck as we all would. Do you find yourself getting rattled as well with javelina? Not as much, or are you getting better at it? Um, I think it's pigs a little. It's a little different. Like um, I'm sure you know. When you're shooting at, you know, a bear or a lion, it's a different feeling than when you're shooting at a deer. Um, with javelina, it's pretty similar. Um, I've shot so many that it's it's it's, it's not as nerve wracking because I know if I if I miss one, I'll have another opportunity because there's so many around. And right. um, and I'd done quite a bit of scouting. I had several spots, and I was getting a, you know an opportunity to shoot one each day. So. I wasn't as uh, I wasn't as rattled um, with the ones this morning. I I had gotten on the same pig. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the same pig yesterday at 30, and 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 the wind ended up swirling while I was trying to move. Um, and today I ended up going back in there, and he was in the same bed. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a with a buddy, and um, I I was walking up, and and I thought it was you know maybe. I was like that. It looks like a, a pig laying there with its ears, um, had his head laid flat. And I thought, you know, maybe that's a dead choya. Um, so I started walking again, and it picked its head up. And I'm like, oh, that's a pig. And so I, I stopped where I was, and he was at uh, that one was at like 22, and then there was one bedded above it, just in the wide open at uh, 30. And so there for about five minutes, and then the wind swirled, and they jumped up out of their beds, and I drew back and. And I think as, as soon as I shot, the, the one above started to move, and I ended up hitting it a little far back. Pigs, what people don't get is they're so compact, so they could take about a step, and your, what, what your shot was going to be in the lungs, it's now in the guts. Um, yeah. So they're, they're a little Or you they're clean little miss them, too. I mean, yeah, like a full step that you could go from, you know, depending on the distance, you could go from you know, a direct hit to a complete miss in, like, a full stride step. Yeah, and I, I never knew that until uh, we started filming our hunts, and my dad's, I, I'm flat out, like you said, flat out missed one. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I had the pin on him solid. I squeezed through the shot, felt like a good shot. And we watched the, the video back, you know, in slow-mo, and you can see as soon as my arrow's leaving the bow, the pig starts to take a step, and... 
my arrow was right on the path, and it ended up hitting right where that pig's um, shoulder was. But by the time he took a step, he was gone. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, awesome stuff. Incredible buck. Great story. Um, really glad that you were able to share it here with us. And um, just an unbelievable accomplishment. I know it will only fuel your fire even more. Um, you, you, you know, last year you shot your biggest buck. Now you've shot, you know, you've beat that. And uh, one question moving forward is like, okay, now you've shot a couple dandy bucks with your bow. Do you think it gets where you just want to target big bucks or are you still, you know, any good solid buck you're going to, you know, in January, are you going to, you know, what's your mindset? Are you, does it change your, you know, your method? Does it change your mindset? Do you become a, you know, snobby big buck hunter like people say <laughs> I am, which sometimes I am? Um, or do you just say, you know, any solid buck, I'm going to shoot it and just keep stacking them up? Well, I, I say any real old mature buck that's respectable as a shooter, but I mean, you know, when you have a a buck in the high teens and you know, one twenty or better, they they get the blood pumping a totally different way than a buck that's oh, yeah. you know a hundred inches. So, yeah. I mean, that's a feeling that I'm kind of addicted to. This, so I, yeah, I'm gonna probably stick out for a big buck, but um. It's another thing when you have, you know, like a 100-inch, 105-inch buck that walks out at 40 yards. I'd probably take that shot, you know, bird in the hands worth two in the bush. But, man, those big bucks sure get the blood pumping a different way. Um, so I, I might be a snobby uh, big buck hunter now. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay, too. <laughs> Um, yep. Well, that's awesome. It's just uh, awesome for you to come on and share your honest uh, opinions and, and um, what you've learned. And I know I get lots of feedback from uh, guys hearing your experiences and, and um, just really appreciate, uh, you know, how forthcoming you are and, and uh, look forward to seeing success in January. And I know one thing, you'll be hard after it. And... Um, so I, I just appreciate you coming on, and um, I got one last thing I got to end with, and that is usually when I talk to a wildcat, you know, it's like, oh, I'll just wait till <laughs> basketball season. But uh, I think we actually have a big game coming up. But I, I and I haven't even paid attention, but I hear the Sun Devils are ranked like number three in the stinking country. Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, my girlfriend's family invited me over for that game, and I started talking some smack uh, about how how uh, U of A is so much better. And she she just said what you just said. They're ranked number three, so I'm kind of I'm kind of not too not too uh, sure now. But I'm I'm gonna be rooting for the Wildcats. Uh, so that's I good. That that's good, buddy. I don't Shame know how they made that's it. That's good. To, <laughs> I don't know how they made it up to number three, but. <laughs> We'll see. We probably, we'll we see. probably bribed somebody to get there. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, take care. God bless, and um, thanks for sharing with us. Um, I encourage all the listeners to, like I said, check out Eric's uh, Instagram page. That's Eric, uh, E-R-I-C underscore Forrest with two R's. Uh, check him out. Follow him on Instagram. And uh, thanks, buddy. We'll be chatting at you. Uh, knock him dead again in January, okay? All right, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure, Jay. All right, take care, buddy.